everyone. It's wonderful to be here. I'm from Indianapolis. Don't hold that against me because there's a football team named the Colts there, but um, I like baseball. It's safer and all that. So it's wonderful to be with you today. It truly is. I'd like to introduce to you my wife, Violet. She, we've been married for 41 years, happily, and still together. And uh, we have uh, three children and six grandchildren, and we are more than blessed. If you have a Bible, open to Mark chapter 9, please. That's where we'll be looking at this morning. How about that worship? Wasn't that wonderful? Truly, truly wonderful. You know, it sits us at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that I was just praying as we were worshiping that he would be glorified in the midst of our lives. You see the message? Well, they get the scriptures up there at this point. But the message, as you guys have been looking at as a congregation for a while now, I guess, is all heaven breaks loose. Wouldn't it be wonderful for all heaven to break loose and we would see the Lord Jesus today? Anybody say amen to that? I mean, we would. We are blessed people. It's an amazing thing that we believe. It truly, truly is. I think we're some of the weirdest people on earth. We are. We really are. We're very unique. We're very blessed. We truly are. We believe today in a King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We believe that Jesus Christ will come back and put this earth in place someday. Amen? Amen. We believe that. And we trust upon that. We base our lives upon that. All glory breaks loose. But specifically, I'd like to talk this morning, just for the little time that we have, I'd like to talk about how it can break loose individually in our lives. Often when we think of this message and uh, this topic, we think of Moses on the top of uh, the mountain. He went up to see uh, the Lord up there. Remember, Moses met the Lord in a a burning bush one day. He was in the backside of the desert, the scripture says. And then he saw this burning bush and he was curious. So he went up to that burning bush and there he, he saw the glory of the Lord. It was important that he would see that. And the Lord said to him, I want you to go and you're going to be used to rescue my people, to bring them out of the world. And that the only thing he had, the Lord, uh, Moses said to the Lord, who shall I say has sent me? Just tell him that I am that I am. I am the eternal existent one. But Moses needed more than that. And so do we in our lives today. The glory of God was revealed to Moses there at the fiery bush. But God took him to a mountain one day because Moses was crying out, Lord, I don't know you. I want to know you more. I want to experience you in my life. I want to see your glory in a very special way. And that was the cry of his heart. Is that the cry of our hearts today? Because I believe that the Lord will want to meet us in an individual way. Sometimes in the, the, the basic ways that we live our lives out, there's the glory of the, God, of, the, of the Lord there. So Moses went up to the mountain and God put his hand out, it appears in Scripture. And he was, Moses was only able to see the trailing edge of God as he passed by in that way. A special relationship, an amazing opportunity. And he saw the glory of the Lord and it changed him so much. He came down of that, out of that mountain and his face shone and they had to put a veil over his face because he had seen the glory of the Lord. I want to see the glory of the Lord. Isaiah saw the glory of the Lord. We just, it was in the last song that we sang, uh, sang there. And, and he saw a vision, and a vision, glory of the Lord, and it radically changed his life. See, prior to this experience, Isaiah was saying, woe unto this nation, woe unto that nation, woe unto you. And then he saw the glory of the Lord revealed to him in a very special way. And then all of a sudden it cried out from his heart, woe is me. He was changed by experiencing the glory of the Lord in a personal way. Can we have that experience in our lives? 
We may not have a mountaintop. We may not have a vision. We see that Jeremiah experienced, Ezekiel experienced. We go through scriptures. Many people, Paul the Apostle experienced on a a road to Damascus. There he was uh, purposed to go and destroy those that had followed after Jesus Christ. And there the Lord came to him and the glory of the Lord appeared to him. And he was radically changed. He was blinded at first. And a man had to come and lay hands upon him and bring healing into his life. But he was never, ever to be the same. Scripture says and it uh, reveals to us all that Paul went through in those ways. He was killed often, shipwrecked many times. And all that we see because he had seen the glory of the Lord. Here in Mark chapter uh, 9, beginning in verse 1, though that's not, I guess it is, yeah, there on the Scripture says, And he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, That there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God presented with power. I believe another way to look at that is that they will not see death until they see the glory of the Lord in their midst. Can we see the glory of the Lord in the midst of our lives? I believe so. And goes on and says, now after six days, Jesus took Peter and James and John and led them up on a high mountain apart from themselves. And he was transfigured before them. A change took place. It's a marked change in form or appearance that we see there. A metamorphosis happened in the life of Jesus. They looked and they saw the glory of the Lord. Notice in verse three, his clothes became shining, exceedingly white like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. And Elijah appeared to them with Moses. So we have there the prophets being represented. We have Moses, the law being represented. And they were talking with Jesus. Mark chapter 16 tells us what they were talking about. They were talking about the death of Jesus Christ. In the midst of this glory, this glorious experience that they were having with the Lord, the conversation was death, death. And I believe that Scripture reveals to us that when a seed dies and falls into the ground, then life comes forward and we see comes forth in that way. And often... We will see the glory of the Lord as we go through a time of death, a time of breaking. But there's an interesting point here. Look at verse 5. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here and let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And look at verse 6. Because he did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. I believe that Peter, James, and John, but specifically Peter that we see here, missed what was going on. Truly missed what was going on. I have found in my life that often I miss what is going on. And it's important that we wouldn't do that. There's a story about a man who took his new hunting dog on a trial hunt. How many have hunting dogs out here? You do? Really? Wow, you do. That's an, I want to talk to you afterward. A lady with a hunting dog. That's amazing. And so a hunting dog, this story, maybe it'll relate to you, okay? And after a while, he managed to shoot a duck and it fell into the lake. The dog, the dog walking on water picked up the, the duck and brought it to his master. The man was stunned. He didn't know what to think. He shot another duck and again it fell into the lake and again the dog walked on the water and brought it back to him. What a fantastic dog. He can walk on water and get nothing but his paws wet. Is that your dog? No, no, no. And so the story goes on and it says the next day he asked his neighbor to go hunting with him so that he could show off his hunting dog. But he didn't tell his neighbor anything about the dog's ability to walk on water. As on the previous day, he shot a duck and it fell into the lake. 
The dog walked on the water and got it. His neighbor didn't say a word. Several more, several more ducks were shot that day. And each time the dog walked over the water to retrieve them. And each time the neighbor said nothing and neither did the owner of the dog. Finally, unable to contain himself any longer, the owner asked his neighbor, have you noticed anything strange, anything different about my dog? Yes, replied the neighbor. Come to think of it, I do. Your dog doesn't know how to swim. He missed the mark. He missed the point of what was going on. Have you ever noticed, if you're like me, sometimes I miss the Lord in the midst of everyday life. Everyday life. To see the glory of God is an amazing thing. I believe he has a heart that he wants to reveal himself to us. He wants to show us his glory. See, the word for glory just means honor. It means simply magnificence, his great beauty. It means the splendor, the greatness, the majesty, the praise of God. He wants us to see his glory. He wants us to praise as we were praising through that song, the song, the worship said it was so beautiful. And I was just saying, Lord, you are so wonderful. I sense your glory. But sometimes we miss the glory of the Lord. Sometimes we want the mountaintop experience. Sometimes we say, Lord, we have to have the vision. We have to be as Jeremiah was to see you in a very specific way. But don't, don't, Lord, don't, don't let us be Paul's. I don't want to be a Paul in any way. I mean, he had to die to self. And I find in myself, I don't want to die to myself. One of the greatest dangers that we see, just like Peter here in this story, is that he wanted to set up some tabernacles. Now, it could be some religious thing there for the Jewish culture. Yes, granted, that could be true. But yet, in a way, he just wanted to control everything that was there. He wanted everything to be comfortable. He wanted it to be the way that he wanted it to be. And I don't find in our walks with God that that's the way that it is. He wants to stretch us. We don't like that, do we? He wants to make change in our lives. He wants to, be careful with this word, he wants to bring brokenness into our lives. Brokenness into our lives. I remember back in 1975, and I know that was before most of you were born. I know we're pretty aged and all that. But we were searching. I worked for a real estate company and, and uh, we're doing very, very well. And I'm coming back from selling some land and, and all of that. And on the radio, I had my radio on. I'm bringing this guy. I just sold him some property. I was so excited about it and everything. And we were having a good old time. I had the radio on. And across the radio comes the federal government sues and it named the company I was working with. And lo and behold, I would be indicted with 21 other people. I'll tell you what, that rocked me because I believed in what I was doing. And during that, somebody came into our house. He was our insurance salesman. He came into our house one night and he, we did the insurance business. We knew him for a long time. Jerry Lawson is his name. And uh, Jerry, we did the insurance and all that. And afterward, he said to us, he said, Bill and Vi, do you believe you are Christians? And we said, yeah, we're Christians. And he said this, no, you're not. No, you're not. That was insulting. Anybody think that would be insulting? It was at that point. But there was something about Jerry that we believed in him. And so when he left that night, I turned to Vi and I said, Vi, I got to find out if that's true or not. So we began to search the scriptures. We began to read the Bible and we began to go to church. And on one Monday night, a man named Mike McIntosh was preaching the word of God. 
And there uh, he gave an altar call and he said, if anybody wants to accept Jesus Christ into their heart, come forward at this moment. And I turned to Vi and I said, honey, it's time, isn't it? And she looked back at me and she says, it is. And so we walked forward. But my experience at that point, and uh, Vi could speak for her experience, but my experience at that point was as soon as I stood up, I started weeping and weeping like a baby because I was convicted of my sin. And from my seat to the altar, I became a broken man to the extent at that point that I was, it could be. And then I became a broken man. And then Mike McIntosh led us through a prayer, a prayer of salvation. And immediately after that, all the burden of my sin was gone and this joy came into my life. The glory of the Lord was there. The glory of the Lord was there. It was an amazing thing as we met the Lord that day. Um, The danger for us is that we can just, like the neighbor in the story of the hunting dog, miss what is going on right in the middle of our lives. We can miss the glory of God as Peter did. God desires to be glorified in our lives, and I also believe that He desires for us to experience His glory as we live our lives here on earth. What was the point that Peter missed here? It was that Jesus would have to suffer and die in in Jerusalem so that all of mankind could be saved. The glory of the Lord hung on that cross that day. 2,000 years ago, Jesus, the glory of the Lord, the majesty of God, the honor of God was right there. Likewise, it is easy for us also to miss the point or get only half of the picture as we walk through our lives here on earth. The transfiguration experience highlights the glory of Jesus. His radiance and the voice of God affirmed that Jesus was not just a man from the outback town of Nazareth, but he was the Son of God. The glory of the Lord is in our midst today. Peter, James, and John were given a ringside seat and a close-up experience of the splendor of God, and they witnessed the transfigured Jesus Christ, but yet they seemed to miss the point. Many times we can have a ringside seat and close-up experience of the glory of God, and yet we can miss the point. We can miss it so easily, it seems, in our lives today. You know, it's something that happened, if I can share a personal experience. After we got saved, we began to serve the Lord in San Diego. It was our joy. I remember the Sunday after we got saved, I walk in, Vi and I walk in, we're so excited, we're, we're brand new in the Lord, and and I walk in, and a guy named Chris Bowman looks over at me and says, Bill, what are you doing today? And I said, well, I'm just, I'm just uh, coming to church, Chris. You know, it's pretty obvious we're just coming to church, you know, and, and all that. And he says, well, would you do me a favor? Would you come and stand right here with me, the opposite side of the doorway, and would you hand out bulletins for those that come in? And I go, well, sure, I can do that. And I began to pass out bulletins and something happened in my life that day. God gave me a love for his people. I couldn't wait to the next Sunday to pass out a bulletin. The people that, you know, I was watching the people that pass out the bulletins. They were smiling. They're morning people. Okay, you can tell that. But, you know, they're just morning people and all. And so, you know, and so it became our joy. It became a joy. And I could see the glory of God in a simple thing like that. But, you know, we were there for 10 years. And uh, we had a, a uh, I came on staff at Horizon there in um, in San Diego and had a wonderful experience. 
a wonderful experience. I would travel internationally uh, serving the, the people there and supporting Mike McIntosh, the pastor. And for 10 years, we had this privilege. And all of a sudden, God begins to speak. And he begins to say, I'm going to move you. What do you mean, move us, Lord? Everything is going great. You know, we don't need change. We don't need anything to take place. You ever been in a position like that with the Lord? And so we were just so happy there and enjoyed everything. He says, but I'm going to move you. Okay, Lord, if you're going to move us. Okay, what part of San Diego do you want us to go to besides where we are? It wasn't San Diego. Okay, what part of California do you want us to go to? It wasn't California. Lord, where do you want us to go? Indianapolis. We go, Indianapolis? What's there? Are there, is there a beach? Is there, is there a mountain? There's none of those things there. What do you mean, Lord? And he wanted to change us in the midst of it. So we said, okay, sir, you're the boss. We'll leave. We packed up a U-Haul. We hooked the car to it and, and just drove back to Indianapolis. And we just, <laughs> and then for a year, literally everything went wrong. It just went wrong. I tried to start a Bible study and uh, no one would come. My wife didn't even want to come. No, they, she wanted to come. You know, the kids, we couldn't get them to come. You know, and all those things. You know, I, everything that I tried to do, you know, I tried to get a job and I got a job and all of a sudden the paychecks from that job, they were break. I mean, they were bouncing, not breaking. They were bouncing, you know, and, and we go that and all of a sudden and within a year, see, we had two brand new cars. We had some money in the bank. We got down to 50 now, wait a minute, Lord. We came out of obedience. We were willing to change our lives. We were willing. But this brokenness thing, I don't like this brokenness thing. There's no way about it. We didn't volunteer for this, Lord. It's supposed to be all this. Bliss. But then what he did was amazing. It's amazing, but it was hard. We came to a point and we were living in a situation we had to get out of it. And I came to a point that I couldn't even make a decision. And I'd always made decisions. I'd always been capable of doing things like that. And honestly, I can say I came to a point and I said, bye, take the two kids, go ahead and find a place for us to live. Whatever you do, you find it. And I was left by myself there and there on the living room floor of that house. I was broken like I've never been broken before. Even when the point I came and accepted the Lord, we accepted the Lord. That place was a place of I cried out and I said, Lord, all I want is you. That's all I want. Everything disappeared. The dreams of starting a church, the dreams of whatever it would be, the things that we were used to and, and uh, we had seen in Indi uh, San Diego, because naturally that's what God would do in Indianapolis. It no longer mattered. All we wanted, all I wanted was to see you. And then I asked him this thing that was very important. I said, Lord, and might I have my family? All I want is you. And if you'd give me my family... And I was broken at that point. And I, I don't mind sharing that because I've never, ever been the same. I saw the glory of the Lord at that point. There was a man I shared with him the last time that I was here and uh, named William J. Willis. And Mr. Willis stood about five foot tall. And uh, he was 97 years old when he passed away. The last five years of his life, he lived with us there in San Diego. And he was born in 1889. He, at age 15, gave his heart to Jesus Christ. And there, at age 16, he was traveling with an itinerant evangelist through the British Isles. He had his own church at age 21, a Baptist church. And he would pass through that church for a while and other churches there in Great Britain. And then God would call him to be a missionary into Korea, a missionary into China, a missionary into Canada, and then eventually a missionary 
in Southern California during the times of the hippies. Anybody, anybody remember the hippies? Just a few. You're aging yourself. You put your hand up. Okay. But the hippies. And that was a generation, my generation, in Southern California. Everybody was blown out on drugs. Everybody was weird. They dressed in flowers, you know, and all these different things. But a whole generation was there being lost to all of these things, these ungodly things. And Mr. Willis, and what, among other people, no doubt, uh, but he was there and he prayed. He became a prayer intercessor. And he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. And he prayed for the souls of people. He was an amazing man. And we had the privilege the last five years of his life. He would come into our house. He would live in our house there and uh, he would uh, have breakfast and he would come to the breakfast table and he would have his spots of tea. He would have his oatmeal. He, I think he called it portage or something like that. And then he would put his finger in the air. He would stand up and he would go, I have an audience with the king. And then he would just turn and he would just shuffle like this. You know, at 90 some years old, you can shuffle. OK. And so he would just shuffle back to his room and he would close his door. And we knew what his habit was. He would go in, he put a pillow, his knees on a pillow. He'd put his Bible right there on the chair and he would be there hour after hour after hour interceding for the souls of people. The reason I tell you about Mr. Willis, because he would pray and he, this is one of his prayers. He would pray, Lord break me. That's a prayer I don't like. I don't want to be broken. I kind of like it the way it is. I like to be exactly. I like my comfort zones. Don't you guys? I truly do. I truly do. My flesh does. But yet my spiritual person says, Lord, I want to see you in ways I've never seen you before. We know that God's glory, his splendor was there with Moses. We know that God's glory and his splendor was with Isaiah, with Ezekiel and with others. But we often miss it because we want God to come to us only in the ways that we choose. We want him to come in spectacular ways. But more often than not, we, uh, he wants to be glorified as we move through our everyday life. A friend of mine, Mark Canada, was playing golf down in Florida. And as he was playing golf, he was having one of the most miserable days of his life playing golf. He told me this story. We were going to witness. We were in the car going to witness to his 90-year-old father-in-law who uh, was close uh, to uh, Jesus Christ. By the way, that day, 90-year-old gentleman gave his heart to Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. That's exciting. But Mark was telling me on the way over there. He was telling the story about golfing, and I was golfing, and I was just struggling like crazy. And that still small voice came to me and said, Mark, will you allow me to be glorified in your golf game? And that's kind of weird when you think about it. He just felt that it was the Lord. He just felt that God was speaking to him. So he pulled his card over and he said, Lord, what are you what's talking about? What are you what are you saying? And he says, will you allow me to be glorified in every single shot that you make? And God was speaking to him about the everyday life and everything that he did. Might God be able to bring glory uh, or be given glory in our lives? And, and Mark told me that story and it hit my heart. And right at that point in, over in San Diego, we're in Romans chapter 12. And you remember that scripture in Romans chapter 12 where it talks about that we are to present ourselves as living sacrifices, 
holy, acceptable to the Lord. That word present is the word that is used when a bride would stand at the end of the aisle down there and she would present herself to her husband who would be standing here each and every day. So I started this habit and it's not a bondage type thing. It's become a joy in the mornings. I'll start out and I'll say, Lord, my purpose today is that you would be glorified. Lord, I want all heaven to break loose. I want you to be glorified in my life. So I'll just go there and I'll think about Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, that I would be a living sacrifice. I wouldn't be conformed to this world, but I would be transformed by the renewing of my mind. And so I pray that to the Lord and I say, Lord, might you be preeminent over the very thoughts of my mind, the very actions of my life and the very motives of my heart. Might you be preeminent over that? And I'll say, Lord, I can't do this on my own. So I go to Galatians chapter five, verse 16, where it says that if I walk in the spirit, I will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. And so I go through this little thing and I just say, Lord, I want you to be glorified glorified in everything that happens, not to a bondage sense. Sometimes there are things, golly, I get impatient and all those things. God isn't glorified in the midst of that. But yet it's important that we allow him to be in our lives in the way that we would want him to be or he would want to be. Ken Sandy, look at this, please, this quote. It says, when you draw on God's grace to put off your self-centered attitudes and act on his principles, You put his glory on display. Your life points to his vast wisdom, compassion and transforming power. And as you look for God's glory, the impact reaches far beyond yourself because you give everyone around you reason to respect and praise God. Glorifying God is not about letting others see how great you are. It's about letting them see how great the Lord is. Today, a question for us, will we allow God to be glorified in every aspect of our life or are we seen versus the Lord being seen? It's interesting that Andrew Murray addressing this issue said humility is the displacement of self by the enthronement of God. So what does it look like to glorify God? I've written this down and I'd like to share it with you. It means to bring him glory and honor through everything we say and do. Doing everything for the glory of God. Honoring God. Glorifying God with our lives, our words, our thoughts, our actions, our songs, our dance, our food, and our drink, and in all that we do. It is acknowledging God's glory. Appreciating who God is. Valuing God Far above everything else. How do we do that? The only way that I know is by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We can't do it on our own. That's why Scripture says, as He increases, we will be caused to decrease. In John 3.30, it says, He must increase and I must decrease. But the very language there in the original language means this. As we allow Jesus to increase, He works in our lives in such a way to bring about the decrease that he desires. And so it's on him as we walk with him. See, today the Bible tells us that we are new creations. Isn't that exciting? Therefore, if any man is in Christ, we are new creations. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become what? New. Thank you for being alive here on the front row. Okay. And so new. Anybody excited about that? No, come on. Anybody excited about that? Yeah, we're new people. We're on our way to be with the Lord forever and ever and ever. We are 
God's creation. And we are to bring glory to him. How can we bring glory to, to God? I've written this down. We glorify God by loving him, by obeying him, by trusting him, definitely by walking with him. We honor God when we have faith and trust in him, when we love him, when we truly desire to know him, obey him and please him in all that we do. We were created to glorify God, enjoy him and walk with him. When we glorify God and honor God, we get closer to him and enjoy him immensely. God is really pleased and rejoices over us when we glorify him and live for him. Billy Graham said this. Our voices, our service, and our abilities are to be employed primarily for the glory of God. See, we can bring glory to God today. There's a story of a man I'd like to share in closing today. A man. He was an African pastor. And after he passed away, they went into his little uh, place that he lived in. And attached to the wall was this that had to do with the, with the aspect of bringing glory to God. Listen to what they found there in this hut in Africa. The pastor said, I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of his. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense and my future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame visions, mundane talking, cheap living, and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on His presence, walk by patience, lifted up by prayer, and honor and labor by power. My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way rough, my companions few, my guide reliable, my mission clear. I cannot be bought. I cannot be compromised. I cannot be detoured. I cannot be lured away, turned, turned back, deluded or delayed. I do not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the adversary, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up. I won't shut up. I won't let up until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, and preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must go till he comes, till uh, give, till I drop, preach till all know, everyone knows, and work till he stops me. And when he comes for me, he will have no problems recognizing me. My banner will be clear. The banner over our lives that the Lord has that they, he would be glorified in the midst of our life. Thank you. Thank, I hope that's a praise offering to the Lord. And so the Lord loves us today. And may we be glorified in all that he does in our lives. In, clo- in closing, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Lord, the Spirit. May we pray. Bow our hearts now and pray. Father, we want to thank you so much for the privilege to worship you and to sense your glory in our midst. Today, Lord, I pray that we, as we're sitting here and as we will stand and sing this 
next song. That, Lord, we may come to that point and just simply say, I surrender. I surrender further. I've surrendered before, but I surrender further today. That in my surrender, you could be glorified in in my life. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done. Take us now to the end. May we be as this African pastor, Father, that we will not shut up. We will not turn away. We will not stop following you until that day that you take us to be with you. Be glorified in our lives. Thank you that we are new in you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's stand together, please.